I want to show you a little bit of television. Is that all right? We want to look at a clip. So let's have a look at this. And that was the Vienna Wood Dance in D, one of my all-time favorites. And now let's make that random call with today's $10,000 question. It's a tough one. Who shot Alexander Hamilton in that famous duel? All right, let's go to the phones and see who's out there. Hello? Hello, for $10,000, who shot... Hello, Excuse me? Hello, I'm afraid your time is almost up. I'm sorry, maybe next time. Got milk. <laughs> Come on, you gotta laugh at that. We're gonna be off to a slow start if you don't laugh at that, I tell you. <laughs> I do have a point with it, by the way. What a mad world we live in. What a mad world we live in. I mean, just think of the production and the money that went into that ad. The creativeness, the creativity, the, you know, because that's not just one person and a camera. You do realise that, don't you? It's like a full movie set, the whole thing, just to say, don't forget to buy your milk. We live in a crazy world. As a matter of fact, it's estimated that in 2022, over 800 billion US dollars will be spent on advertising. That's the advertising budget. It's predicted by 2024, it'll go past a trillion dollars a year worldwide just for advertising. A trillion dollars is a lot of money. It's really that many zeros that the average person can't probably comprehend it. And if you notice that our whole world, and I guess the advertising industry and media is focused on highlighting exactly, can I say this, exactly the kind of things that Jesus told us not to worry about. That ad saying, worry about not having enough milk. Literally, and it's the opposite to what Jesus told us to do. We're in this season right now in our society, our community, where finances and the economy are headed, uh, where, where that's all headed, is it's a major topic of discussion. It's a major topic of concern. Once again, our media is talking about inflation, the cost of living, recession. All of these kind of words are coming back into a vocabulary where we actually haven't heard that for quite some time. And my point today will be, if there was ever a time to operate in a different economy, it's right now. And no matter what happens out there, no, more, no matter what happens in our world, when I look at heroes of Scripture, when I look at the, the passage of Scripture and God's hand on His people, it hasn't mattered the season or the circumstances. They have prospered anyway. You've got Joseph prospering as a slave in Egypt. 
You've got David prospering in the cave of Adullam. You've got Daniel prospering in Babylon, the absolute antithesis of the kingdom of God. And Daniel, in spite of being thrown into a lion's den, comes out smelling roses. They were living in a different economy. Think about the New Testament church. Come on, last week we talked about Pentecost. Who was here for Pentecost? We talked about Pentecost. Think about it, the church of Jesus Christ. And now I'm talking church with a capital C. The whole church collective has prospered and did prosper in those times in the most insane period of persecution and social upheaval going for the next several hundred years right through to the Roman Empire falling apart and there were believers in the middle of all of that under persecution and war and the church prospered and we sit here today because God's hand was on them in spite of their circumstances. This is something that Jesus said, and I'm going to read more of this passage, but I want to preface my thought with this. We're going to read a fair bit of Bible today. Is that okay? Going to read a fair bit of it. I think we'll cope. I think we'll be okay. But I want to preface it with Matthew chapter uh, 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. I want us today to reimagine our foundations once again. This is reimagine our foundations being a disciple of Jesus, part four. Part four. I think I might have said part three at one point, but it's part four today. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 6. Are you ready for more scripture? It's gone awful quiet in here. What's that? Hey, hey, come on. I've got friends. That makes me feel better. Matthew chapter 6. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about the milk. Do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit or one little inch to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. King Solomon, one of the most wealthy men in the world to have ever lived. Now if God clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? And then verse 31. Therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. And when Jesus says Gentiles in that Jewish context, he was basically saying everyone outside of covenants of God, everyone who actually doesn't know the creator. That was the the frame of reference here. 
Everyone else is chasing this stuff. And he's saying, don't. Our whole world's advertising it to us at 800 billion US a year. What you're missing, what's inadequate about you, what you don't have, what you should have to be comfortable and happy and secure. Jesus said, the whole world's running after these things. But that's, that's not your worry. For your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. It's not like the big miss out. It's not like it's not going to happen. It's just where you put your priorities. What are you actually seeking? Are you seeking the things or the giver of the gift? And that's what Jesus is trying to get across, that you can live in fear. You can live in worry. You can live with everything that this world will point out to you. You can live in the shadow of what you don't have. Or you can actually come to a place of faith where you recognise, you know what, I trust my Heavenly Father. He knows what I need before I speak it. And so therefore I don't have to live in constant anxiety about whether I've got enough. Because he's well able to bless me and well able to bring it into my hand in due season. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So Jesus is really encouraging them to reach beyond the natural into a God economy. Into a kingdom movement of what God is doing on the earth, not what our world is doing. You know, this original Greek word translated worry, it literally, and in some older versions, English versions of scripture, it translates it very directly. It literally means to take no thought of. So it's not even just worry. It's like, don't even think about it. (laughs) Don't even think about it. Oh, what am I going to eat? Don't even think about it. So I know that it just sounds crazy. And of course, Jesus is speaking to people. I tell you, he's speaking to people in an economy far tougher than ours. They couldn't go out and get packaged breakfast cereal. So as much as you might think that's just unreasonable, it would have sounded far more unreasonable to Jesus' original audience when things weren't quite as easy to get a hold of. And so I guess I'm trying to point out, can you see the irony? The irony of this, that our world is saying, think, 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 think about it. (laughs) And spending a lot of money to get us thinking about stuff Jesus said, take no thought to. So while Jesus is giving us a reassurance of faith and a, a true focus, our world is spending billions on the exact opposite message. Determined to get us to focus on fear, 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 lack, lack, lack. And that is a huge irony of our age. That is the difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. That is the difference between darkness and light. Live in fear and lack or live in an absolute confidence that God holds your life in his hands no matter what comes. So today... When we look at discipleship, this is part four. We're looking at the master's focus. A disciple. Call yourself a disciple of Jesus. A disciple has the master's 
focus when it comes to life. And I've just got a couple of little observations and I'm going to ask you a few questions. Cool? Here's the focus. What you have versus what you didn't have or don't have. Sorry. What you have versus what you don't have. Verse 26, verse 25 and 26. Consider the lilies, the grass, the birds. Come on, they're clothed and fed. They don't even work for it. It's happening for them. And Jesus is like drawing this conclusion. It's just a little bit like if you could just live and move in faith and trust that the next door that needs to open, I can open it for you. You would see me do it. It's astounding that we can be sitting in the top few percent of the wealthiest percentile of people in the world that have ever lived. And that's us. That's, don't look at your neighbour. If you live in Australia, that's you. By and large. It's amazing that we could be anxious. Come, we've got an epidemic of anxiety. If, if, if money was the answer, if resource was the answer, we wouldn't be anxious. Because that's something that Australia has plenty of. Plenty going round. You go to any capital city and get out on the fringes and they're building whole suburbs of 40 square rendered brick homes. There's plenty of money in Australia. So if money was the answer, you know, we would not be fearful. We wouldn't be anxious about anything. Maybe it's not actually the answer. Now, I'm not a demon chaser. You know that, don't you? But I tell you what, when I think about being in the top percentile of wealthiest people who've ever lived on the planet and facing fear and anxiety, I think that's demonic. <laughs> now, you know I'm not a demon chaser. I think that is demon at zomai, is what the Greek word would say. That's an attack of the devil, literally. For people to have their confidence undermined, their joy undermined, living in the shadow of, <gasps> what might happen next? And Jesus is saying, come on, don't. You shouldn't even be thinking about that stuff. Here's an, I, I, when I look at it, here's the contrast, okay? This is what we should have got last week, hopefully, from Pentecost. Pentecost was an outpouring God poured his spirit, listen to it, on all flesh. Didn't hold it back from anyone. In other words, God is so supremely generous. It was just like, I'm just going to pour it out on all flesh. Anyone, open your heart. Here it is. God's got enough for you. And then we're actually called to live out of Pentecost. Come on, aren't we Pentecostal Christians? So what we do is we live out of that generosity. We live out of the overflow. We live out of another economy that's not struggling. Where God's provision is the key. And faith is what unlocks it. Trust and belief that God is good. And in spite of circumstances beyond my control, God can bring me through with my held, held, head held high. Cool. Here's the second thought. You okay? I'm trying to preach it. I'm trying to preach it. Here's another focus, just the way a disciple sees it. What God thinks versus what man thinks. What God thinks. A, a disciple is thinking, hang on, what does God think about this? I don't care what everyone else is saying. What does God actually think about this? Verse 32, your heavenly father knows 
your needs. And the fact is, FOMO (laughs) is what all of retail is probably built upon. Now, I know some of us are are retailers and we work in that industry. I'm not picking on us as individuals. Is that okay? What I'm saying is there tends to be a spirit of the age that can suck us in. And even though we know Jesus, even though we'd say we've nailed our colours to the wall and we follow Jesus Christ, we can actually have a different spirit about us that's not necessarily kingdom. It's more informed by the world around us than by what the Holy Spirit wants to do within us. And fear of missing out is what the whole thing is driven by. The world system thrives on making you feel inadequate. You're not pretty enough. You're not cool enough. You're not connected enough. You're not rich enough. You could just add to the tally. Just Do a big bullet point list of fears and inadequacies and you will find that our world tends to promote it. And Jesus in the middle of that is saying to us, you shouldn't even be thinking about that stuff. (laughs) You're connected to something so much bigger, so much bigger called the kingdom of God. When you feel those inadequacies, can I encourage you? I mean, this is why Jesus came, was to connect us back to God. And God is ground of being. God is reality. God is the the centre of it all. Further out you get from him, the more deceptive it becomes. But right back here, ground of being, that's reality. God, through Jesus Christ... You are totally accepted. You are totally adequate. You're the apple of God's eye. As a matter of fact, he would pay the highest price that's ever been paid to let you know that he loves you. And I tell you what, if you come back to ground of being and you do ground yourself in what Jesus said is the kingdom and a revelation of him and God the Father, this world can no longer manipulate you. This world can no longer appeal to your inadequacies, to your deepest fears. It loses its ability to control. And I think that's what Jesus was saying when he said, you can't serve two masters. If money is your thing, you will always be manipulated by it. But God manipulates no man. He brings security, a sense of adequacy, a sense of I don't got nothing to prove to anyone. I don't need that new shirt or I don't need that. I don't need that car I can't afford. Whatever it is, fill in the blank. When you come back to ground of being that God is your source, God is your adequacy, then this world loses its ability to control. You doing okay? Here's another one. One another one? One more? Okay, for the disciple, the focus, the master's focus is what God is doing. Versus what society is saying. What God is doing versus what society is saying. So what God is doing, you could say that's kingdom. The kingdom, his presence, his power, his, his reality right now in our world. And our world is saying, strive for stability. Am I getting this wrong? You're sitting looking at me like, oh, I don't know whether you live on Mars, Chris. That's not my world. Come on. Is our world saying, strive for stability? 
It is saying, I got a letter from, from you know, a nice financial advisor thing, a package come and make your life stable. It's not bad. It's not bad to plan. I'm not against that. That's a good thing to do. That's stewardship. But I tell you, it's interesting how it all started. Have you got enough for retirement? It started with fear. Because fear creates an inadequacy and that opens the door for sales. Jesus is still saying, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. World's saying, come on, it's all about stability. Strive for comfort. Strive for independence. Strive for pleasure. All of these things our world offers us, even the independence thing, come on. Strive for independence. Strive for in- God help any Christian who becomes independent of God. Where we unhitch ourselves from Him as the center, ground of being, where our adequacy is, where our confidence is, where our identity is. Why are so many people struggling with every kind of identity issue in our society? Because they're unhooked from ground of being. And it's only actually getting back to the centre that will ever, ever heal it. So what's God up to? Here's a question for us. What's God up to around me? What's God up to in my world? Where am I seeing God do stuff? That's what the question becomes. What's God doing rather than what's my world saying? Oh, that's too tough. You couldn't do that. You couldn't break in there. Or is it God, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? Where, where should I go next? It could be a career move. It could be in your business. It can be in relationship, whatever. Not what the world is. Oh, well, you're not pretty enough. No, 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 no. Come on, what's God doing? What's God want to do? Don't let inadequacy, don't let fear shut you down. And then the second question, of course, is within me. What's God doing within me? The kingdom is an inside job, isn't it? What's God doing in me? Am I sort of caught up in this this stream that's creating an inadequacy in me where I actually live by fear and I'm sort of striving to make sure I get all my ducks in a row? Again, I'm, I'm not talking about just living poorly. But again, when our whole focus becomes, I'm setting myself up. It's like, wow. Missionary martyr Jim Elliott went to the uh, broad term, Yucca Indians, South America, was martyred there. But his famous quote, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. And our whole world's gearing us to gain things that will one day rust. One day the moth will eat. The thief will break in and steal. And our whole world sort of gears us that way. And Jesus is saying there is another economy that's running parallel to that called the kingdom of God. When you seek that first, the other stuff begins to take care of itself. If you want to focus your whole life down the anxious pathway of trying to make it happen for yourself, that'll wear you out. There's another way of doing it where it's like, Jesus, I'm going to put you first and trust that you open every door that I need open. You're going to make every every, uh, acquaintance I need to make. It's going to come from your hand. I'm I'm not doing life by accident. I'm not doing life by chance. 
I'm not just rolling the dice, hoping it works out, or even just striving to make it work for me. Because I tell you what, I've seen people that have been self-made like that, and everything can come tumbling down overnight. Instead, there's an economy where Jesus comes into clear focus as the centre. It's like, Lord, I will seek you and your kingdom. That's what it's about. I will not let this world manipulate me or scare me or make me anxious about my life. You said don't even think about that stuff. I'm going to focus on you. And as I do, the things that our world is clamoring for anyway, they can be added to me. And they'll come from your hand and from dependence on you and your goodness. I'm going to stand up and say I'm a self-made man. I'm going to say, no, no, I'm surrendered, humble person. Found myself at the feet of Jesus. And as I've followed him and not let this world shape me or mold me, then everything I've needed has been added to me. Come on, that's a Christian testimony. That's the power of God at work. Have you ever met a Christian who's sort of pretty humble sort of a person, but they, they just seem to be doing exceptionally well? No? Yeah? We all know them. It's like, gee, I wonder what the secret is. Often I've found it's just simply surrender. Why did you go there? I felt God told me. Why didn't you do take that opportunity? Well, I prayed about it and I didn't think God was in it, so I didn't do it. If you've ever met someone like that, you've got someone who's put the kingdom first and then they're seeing God add to their life, add to their life, add to their life, everything they need. Here's a couple of questions for us as we close. Do I find myself talking more about what I lack than being grateful for what I have? It's a great question to ask yourself, hey. Don't worry about what you don't have. God's able to add it to you. Am I mindful of Christ's mission and how it impacts my actions and decision-making? You know, when we make decisions, do we ever stop and think, you know what, I better commit that one to God. <laughs> now, I think sometimes it's in the big stuff we, we do, and we always should, but, but I think you can be spirit-led in the simplest of ways. Am I just mindful that in every decision I'm making... I'm actually, I'm actually wanting to hear God in this. And if I get an inkling that maybe this isn't right, well, then I'm just going to go with my gut. It's called being spirit-led. It's not, it's not anywhere near as difficult as we think. You know, Christians are like, oh, if God would only speak to me. Well, just obey and he will. <laughs> you set your heart to obedience, God will speak to you every day as clear as a bell. And last question, which is very similar to it, is, is Jesus' kingdom my top priority? And the question flowing on from last week, remember Pentecost, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit's come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In other words, the outpouring of the Spirit was not to make us feel great about being in church. It was actually about a hurting world. So the question for us would be, where do I engage the mission of Christ right now? Where am I allowing the Holy Spirit to use me 
to bring life, to bring peace, to bring hope, to bring healing, whatever it might be. Where is the Spirit of God wanting to use me now? Where do I engage the mission? Because the moment you engage mission, Jesus becomes a very clear priority. He's he's not an add-on that makes life better. He's the center that gives life meaning. There's a massive difference between those two thoughts. Cool. Well, I'm done. I'm done. You were quiet. That wasn't meant to be tough. I wrote that message. It sounded like fun in my head. (laughs) Sometimes they just don't come out that way. But I think you get the thought. So why don't we stand together? Why don't we stand together? Thank you, Father. Thank you for your goodness in our lives. Help us. Come on, let's pray together. Help us to just keep the focus right in a world that is continuously trying to just knock us off course by degrees. Lord, help us to keep our focus on you. Help us to keep our focus on the kingdom, seeking you and your kingdom. Not being overwhelmed with fear, with anxieties about what people think and what our world demands of us and what looks cool and what doesn't. Help us get comfortable in our own skin because we know we've touched ground of being and that we are absolutely accepted in the beloved. We've been forgiven. We've been raised up to do great works through Jesus Christ. Help us get back to that truth. That truth in Jesus' name. And you know, you might be here today and maybe you have not clearly decided to follow Jesus. I've just spoken a little bit about our world friend and maybe you've seen yourself in that picture or at least you can see. As a matter of fact, that sort of is how the world's operating. These are Bible insights that are thousands of years old. Friend, God has a plan for your life, whether you've acknowledged that or not, whether you've even found your way into it or not, I want to give you an opportunity this morning to do that. So I'm going to ask everyone to bow their heads once again. And hey, if you're here and you just simply say, Chris, I think I need Jesus. I think I need a different focus. I think I need to see the world differently. I I think Jesus is the answer to this. And maybe you've been on a journey for a while, but you just know this morning, now is the time. Just right right where you stand, while every head's bowed, would you just raise your hand straight up in the air? I'll acknowledge it. You can put it down again. And then I want to pray for you. Just going to give it a minute, but just right here in this place. That's awesome. God bless you. You can put your hand down. Anyone else? Yep. God bless you. God bless you. You guys, yeah, put your hands down. That's fantastic. Come on, I'm going to just wait. Just wait for a moment. Wait for a moment. Anyone else just wants to join these folk? Wonderful. Heavenly Father, we pray with people who've responded in this way this morning. Wherever they're at in their journey, we pray that you would meet them powerfully. Powerfully as they open their hearts to Jesus this morning. Thank you for meeting them. Thank you for guiding them from this point on. Let their lives be different. Let them be kingdom focused. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can look at me again. Fantastic to see people responding to the gospel again in the simplest of ways. Pastor Sue's going to let you know what you can do next.